Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Carol, for introducing us. Um, just before I bring the word for today, I, I just want to bring a challenge to us as a church. The challenge is that um, over this period of Advent, um, let's get into the Word of God. And uh, I've seen a number of different posts over recent weeks that have, have challenged people, and I'm challenging us as a church today, to uh, find ourselves immersed in Luke's gospel. So we'll start posting things out on our Instagram page and on our Facebook page as, as a prompt. But let's start on December the 1st by reading Luke chapter 1. And let's work our way through the first 24 days of uh, December, reading a, a chapter a day, so that by the time we come to Christmas Day on the 25th of December, we would have read the whole story of who Jesus is and why he came and what ultimately Christmas is all about. So this is a challenge for us as a church over the next uh, 24, well, it's going to start on Tuesday, so on the 1st of December. Let's, let's start on, on the 1st of December, and let's run a chapter a day of Luke's Gospel, so that we together, as the, the family of God here, um, have a fresh uh, revelation of who Jesus is and, and why he came. So that's challenge number one. The second thing I want to talk about today, which is the, the message, really is um, just picking up on some words. Over the next uh, four Sundays, I'm just going to look at some words that might hang over the Christmas story. And uh, today's word is the word darkness. So I want to talk about darkness. I don't know whether you ever think of Christmas as being a dark time. But the one thing that I have come to realize is that when I think about Christmas, it's always about things that happened in the dark. So um, my own history or my family life, I remember that uh, things started early on Christmas morning. So on Christmas morning, whilst it was still dark, I would, um, with my sister and with my brother, get up early and we would attack our presents that were in the uh, pillowcase at the end of the bed. We never did stockings. We, we, we went big from the beginning. And uh, so that's how things started whilst it was still dark. In my family, we didn't go to church. And uh, therefore, there was no uh, trooping out anywhere to a Christmas morning service. And it wasn't until I got saved and until I came to the Lord that um, we started going to um, Christmas Eve services, those candlelit services. And the great thing about those was the fact that, of course, whenever you went to them, it was always dark in Bexhill when we were living there. I can remember with the boys and Carol going off um, to St. Peter's, a church, an old church in Old Town, Bexhill. And it was, the, the atmosphere was fantastic. But the thing about it more than anything, it was dark. And uh, going out in the dark was always quite an exciting thing. And the whole thing of my experience of uh, Christmas always seemed to happen in darkness. For us as well as a family, we'd travel around the area in the car looking for Christmas lights. That was one of the traditions that we had. But of course you had to wait until it was dark. And to get the best out of the decorations in the high street of our town, you had to wait until it was dark. 
But as you start to read the Christmas story, I believe the whole of the story is meant to be um, read in the shadow of darkness. So much happens at night. In Matthew's Gospel, we begin with uh, a story about uh, Joseph, and, and he has three dreams. And I've just come to realize that most dreams happen when you sleep, and most sleep happens when it's dark. The uh, Magi, they followed the star to find Christ. Well, to follow the star, they would have done that in the darkness. And you have, in Luke's gospel, we're introduced to the the shepherds on the hillside. And there they are, uh, standing guard over their flocks when they encounter the angels. And the fact that they were on the hillside guarding the flocks, it was nighttime. Darkness was over the whole of the land. But also over the nation of Israel. It was a time of darkness. The um, Romans had occupied the nation and therefore there was this oppression over the people of Israel. And uh, they were ruling from Rome but just giving uh, enough control to uh, the local government so that there would be uh, some form of compliance that rebellion would be uh, reduced. There was darkness over the nation. There was also darkness culturally as well as the distinctiveness of God's people was being um, blurred around the edges. And even those who were spiritual leaders were starting to uh, not be honored in the way that they were in the past. So politically, uh, culturally, spiritually, there was darkness everywhere. And then even if you start to look at the beginnings of the story, the first Christmas story, you, you, you pick up on the fact that there's darkness. There is this young lady who is told by an angel that she is going to bear God's son. She is going to be the mother of the saviour. And of course, what does that usher in? That ushers in, no, not uh, celebrations, but rumors of uh, adultery and infidelity. Then Mary, with her betrothed, Joseph, are forced to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Not a light journey. And sadly, the... Uh, Thoughts that must have been going through their heads as they were traveling were not thoughts of of rejoicing. I'm sure there was anxiety, worry, stress, fear. And then that is um, magnified as they get to Bethlehem. Because as they get to Bethlehem, there's this uh, expectation that they're going to be welcomed. But what do they encounter? They encounter the word, there is no room in the inn. And in one sense, you could take the fact that there is nowhere to welcome them as a sign of rejection. So not only the pain of having to move, the difficulty of the the trauma of carrying a child so close to the time of giving birth, and then you're rejected. And where are you ushered into? You're ushered into an animal stable. Not what you would say was light joyful, rejoicing, a time of uh, excitement. It was a time 
of darkness. And then you add to that, I'm going to read to you a scripture from Luke chapter 2. You add to that the words that were spoken by Simeon at the temple to, to Mary. This is what it says in Luke 2, 34 to 35. It says, of Jesus, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There's Mary expecting her first child and she's told by a prophet at the temple that her son is going to be making trouble and it's going to be difficult. She must have thought that there was a cloud of of misfortune over her. Even the visit of the the wise men must have been uh, a, a somewhat ambiguous sort of event of happiness and light. They come in the evening, they're following a star, but when they come, there's this uh, sharing of the story that they had been to see Herod, and Herod wants to come and see this uh, newborn king, and the word that they have been given is that they are not to go back to Herod, they are to leave Bethlehem and head out through Egypt. So the joy maybe of these guys who were bringing presents is dissipated by the fact that they've got to sneak out. And then Joseph gets a dream as well. And he's woken from his dream and he's gathering his wife and his child and their belongings from the stable and they've got to head out to Egypt as well. It says this in Matthew chapter 2. It says, When they had gone, that's the wise men, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, darkness again, when Joseph is sleeping. He seems to spend a lot of time sleeping, does our Joe? The word is get up. So in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the night, get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. There's the word, not a word of joy, but a word of darkness, that there's somebody who's going to come and seek to kill your son. There's a lot of darkness in this story so much of the Christmas story we've romanticized, we've, we've cleaned it all up, but the reality is it's a lot of darkness. How did Joseph and Mary feel? They're heading out of Bethlehem. They're on the road. They're going towards Egypt. Did they have a little conversation? Mary said, okay, well, let me call myself Sarah. And if you call yourself John, do we have to have pseudonyms? Um, Where are we going to go? Who are we going to stay with? All we know is we've got to go to Egypt. And there's that fear that over them is the cloud of the fact that the king of the nation wants their child dead. If the nativity story was uh, actually portrayed in its full reality, you would see very clearly that this isn't a child story, but it is in fact uh, a story of a lot of darkness. And if the images were portrayed as they could be portrayed in these days, um, there would be a lot of blood 
and guts and gore and sadness and hurt. When we think about it, the only hopeful moments that come along are words that shine just a little bit of light into the situation. Just thinking about the shepherds who were terrified by the angels and who could blame them. There you are, sat on the hill looking after your feet, your feet, your sheep, minding your own business. And then suddenly the whole place is lit up by these phenomenal heavenly beings. This is what it says in Luke chapter 2. After that encounter, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Do we know whether Mary and Joseph... Um, rejoiced, got excited? Do we know that in the midst of the darkness that they actually were uh, quite uh, expectant of great things? Or was the darkness over darkness over darkness enough to make them be very cautious? And I think I'll go with the caution because it seems that the one thing that Mary did was those words. She treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. She held on to some of those things that were said to help her through the darkness. The Gospels don't say that they uh, took the wise men's visit as a, a confirmation and therefore rejoiced. The Gospels don't record that they shouted with the shepherds and danced around in the stable. We think of Christmas as happiness and light, but I think the reality for these on the first Christmas was far from that. So how did Mary and Joseph, how did they cope with the darkness that they were facing? Where did they find the courage to deal with everything? And I believe that the things that were pondered in Mary's heart may very well have been the words of the prophet Isaiah. Let me read you this which Isaiah wrote that we read in chapter 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of the dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Arise, shine, your light has come. Mary probably pondered the promises from the Old Testament that were going to be uh, fulfilled 
in the birth of her son. But I love these words here. It says, it says here in verse 2 of Isaiah 6, he says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over all of the peoples. That thick darkness. I, I can remember one preacher once saying that uh, um, the version that they had read uh, of this reading talked about gross darkness was over all the earth. And a gross is 144, 12 times 12. And I can remember, that, that, and I believe it was David Pawson who, uh, who was teaching on this and just said, you know, at that time, the darkness was 144 times darker than normal darkness. And maybe even we can relate to that today with what is happening in our nation. Maybe we can relate that things are not as light as we would want them to be. And here in the midst of the darkness of the first Christmas, we have Mary holding on to promises. One who is the light is due to come. There's also this scripture in Matthew chapter 1. It says this, that she heard these words, that she will give birth to a son. You'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. She holds on to the word of God. To enable her to walk through the darkness of the first Christmas. And when we think about where we are today, we would recognize that it's dark. It is dark today. We are in the uh, drawing to the end of uh, a nationwide lockdown. We're moving into a, a tier system on Wednesday, which is bringing lots of tears on the basis there's not a lot of difference to what we've been through. There is a pandemic that is sweeping the whole of the nations. We are uh, recognizing that our, our economy as a country is under uh, a lot of strain and close to collapse. Our unemployment is rising. Our health system is uh, uh, stretched to its limit. Our political system is also under turmoil. We're heading towards uh, the final deal for Brexit and the pandemic seems to have pushed that to one side, but there's still all of the uncertainty of that. The spiritual darkness of our nation is also so very clear too. There is a need for this nation to come to Christ. And we would pray that even through this pandemic, some might even ask the question, where are you, Lord? And be met by the answer that I am here. I never leave you or forsake you. I am Emmanuel, God with you. So in the midst of the darkness we may even find ourselves coming to that place of realizing that the promises of God's word that may have helped Mary and Joseph through the darkness of the first Christmas are the promises that will bring us through the darkness of this Christmas. There's restrictions, but there is liberty for those of us in Christ. We can sidestep everything that uh, we hold on to and believe as Christians. We can just merge with and go with the flow about everybody else. We could add our complaints to the complaints of many that we hear around us. Or 
we could be the light that the Lord is asking us to be. These are the words of encouragement that we find in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Let me read these to you. It says, therefore, 2 Corinthians 4, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. It might be dark, it might be difficult, this Christmas might not be like any other Christmas we've had before, but let us not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul is saying, come on church, rise up. Be the light that you are called to be. Let's not hide ourselves away. Let's not merge in with the way of the world, but let's be distinctive and let's be different. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So Paul is just saying to each and every one of us, come on church, let's not dim down let's brighten up let's not have our chins dragging along the ground in despair and despondency but let us raise our eyes and recognize that the one who came is coming again and the one who's coming again has deposited in us the light that is necessary to dispel the darkness. Today, as I speak to you in your homes or wherever you find yourselves watching this uh, live stream, you are a light. The neighbors around you, you are a light. Those that you are able to connect with uh, at two meters distance, you are the light. And Paul would say here, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter, uh, verse 6, let it shine. Let your light shine. We are not being molded and shaped and forced into the patterns of this world, but we are world transformers. There's darkness. We know there's darkness. And Mary and Joseph can relate to the darkness. But we hold on to the fact that God has called us to be light transformers. And that is my prayer for us as we start our journey through Advent, that the darkness that overshadows the first Christmas and this Christmas of 2020 would be dispelled by pockets of light with your names on that are transforming the darkness of our current situation for the glory of God. It's that kind word. It's that phone call 
of asking of others' well-being. It's that gift that's left on the doorstep. It's that love that's being shared as the body of Christ even here is seeking to reach out to the community around us. Pockets of light that make it very clear to the enemy that light and darkness cannot cohabit. You see, one thing that I always remember is that with the moment that I open the door of a darkened room, light always floods in. And as you live for the glory of God, this Advent, may your light, the light of Christ that you carry, flood in and transform. And may you be receivers as well. As you get into God's word, as you spend time going through Luke's gospel this month coming, maybe you might find God speaks a word to you specifically that gives you everything you need to shine for his glory. Let me pray. So Father God, we honor you and we bless you. We thank you that there's nothing we are going through at this moment in time that is a surprise to you. We thank you that you have given us all the resources to not be couched in fear and worry and anxiety, but to step out in boldness and to shine for your glory. Forgive us, Lord, where we have dimmed the light of Christ in us by not standing up and speaking up, by not living out what we believe. Forgive us, Lord. And may this Advent, Advent 2020, be an Advent of transformation as the light that you have placed in each and every one of us reaches out into our community to make this Christmas the best Christmas because your light has come. In Jesus' name, amen.